So hi everyone, we're back with the next instalment of Ogre in Conversation With and this evening I'm sitting down with Fianna Fáil TD, uh, Jim O'Callaghan. So Jim was elected first uh, to Dublin City Council in 2009 and served there until 2016. He was then elected in the Dublin Bay South constituency to Dáil Éireann and retained his seat in the general election this year. Uh, prior to being a TD or, and uh, while he was a councillor, Jim was a barrister and he was a senior counsel. He was part of the Fianna Fáil negotiating team in 2016 and he was spokesperson for justice and equality. So I suppose, Jim, just following on from that, we, quite, we went into uh, the general election this year and, um, you know, we didn't get the results we were hoping for and you were offered a junior ministry in the Department of Justice and you turned it down. So I suppose just to talk a little bit about your thinking there and, um, and how, you, how you came to that decision. Yeah, well, first of all, Sarah Jane, thanks very much for inviting me onto the podcast. And it's a really good initiative that you and the other people in Ogre have uh, commenced over the past while. Listen, in terms of what you said, we, you mentioned that the general election, we didn't get the result we were looking for. That's true, but we did have uh, some success in that we're, I suppose, the largest party uh, in the Dáil. We came back, I think, with 38 seats. That includes the Ciancorla. But yeah, I get the point that it was disappointing. I was offered a junior position. In fairness to the Taoiseach, he only had a limited number of senior positions available to him because it was a three-party coalition. Uh, I had to assess when he made the offer of a junior ministry in the Department of Justice as to you know what benefit would I be playing what I viewed as being a relatively minor and limited role uh, in the Department of Justice as opposed to being able to I suppose concentrate to a large extent on Fianna Fáil and trying to ensure that we can renew and strengthen Fianna Fáil which I think is very important from not just our party's point of view but from the country's point of view and I decided that the uh, I was better doing the latter. Yeah, and I suppose it is an interesting point because I suppose people think that all the time if you're not in government, then you're not doing anything. Or if, you know, politicians aren't visible, a lot of, a lot of people might think that they're kind of sleeping on the job, but it's very, very busy um, behind the scenes. So just to go back there, Jim, um, how, I suppose, how did you get your start in politics? Because you had quite a, quite a late start in life into, into elected office. Yeah, quite a late and slow start, I think, Dara Jane, is how you could describe it. <laughs> Listen, um, you know, when I was, uh, like, I was in UCD, I wasn't a member of the Kevin Barry Cummins, but looking back on it, I obviously was interested in politics because I was elected to the Student Council when I was in UCD studying law, although I wasn't a member of any political party or anything like that. But uh, I suppose I always had an interest in history and I had an interest in politics. And one of the things I noticed looking at politics was that it seemed quite inaccessible. You know, a lot of the time it was presented as though certain families who were in politics or it was extremely hard to break into politics. And, and it was hard to break into it. But as I decided, my interest in my 20s was um, playing rugby and uh, getting a career going as a barrister. But in my uh, you know, when it was my early 30s, I decided I'm interested in politics and I can just sit back and uh, keep telling people, oh, I'm interested in politics. And I could keep sit back and hope that at some stage in the future, somebody might come to me and say, oh, Jim, would you like to get into politics? But I decided to be active about it. I had a huge amount of respect for Fianna Fáil. I would have always described myself as an Irish Republican 
publican. I had huge admiration for the work done by Bertie O'Hearn uh, in, in the Good Friday Agreement. And it was after that, in around 2002, 2003, I joined Fianna I ran in the local elections in 2004, didn't get elected. Ran the general election in 2007, didn't get elected. At this stage, most normal people have moved on with their lives and have got the hint that the public doesn't want them. But I then tried in the uh, local elections in 2009 and got elected. That's great. Yeah, I suppose it's an interesting point, and I was talking to um, Barry Andrews about this as well. Um, like, kind of a narrative you see more and more on social media, and especially when parties are differing opinions or anything like that, is a narrative around um, politicians just being in it for themselves and they don't care about the people and it's the wage you get. And, but there's, a, there's really a lot of hard graft goes into getting elected, first of all. And then you get there and you have to stay there. You know, your, your next election is, could be at any point. Um, so I suppose, would you agree in that sense that, like, my opinion on it would be that you have to genuinely want to make a difference and then you have to, you know, navigate around that and figure out how you're going to best make, make that difference? And do you think that voters en masse understand that and um, how hardworking politicians are? Um, first of all, you mentioned an issue about social media. I think politicians can get too worked up by social media. It's not representative. And I think, uh, you know, sometimes it's hugely influential, but it's not representative. So I just think when you see people on social media saying, oh, politicians, they're, they're in it for themselves and they're useless. That's not the case. Like when I look across uh, Dáil Éireann, like I had a career, I've been involved in the private sector for very many years. But I'm very impressed with the quality of people uh, who work in the public sector, not just in terms of elected office, but also, for instance, the people working uh, in the houses of Oireachtas. And I think the politicians that are elected in this country are fairly representative of the people of the country. And I think, you know, obviously, any, most people on social media who are writing about politics are doing so for a partisan and a particular objective. But I think any fair assessment of Ireland since we got our independence is that it's a successful post-colonial independent country. And the reason we've been successful is to a large extent because of the politicians and the policies that have been implemented since we got our independence 100 years ago. Listen, in terms of it being a hard graft, getting elected in Ireland, I found it anyway, very hard. And it is difficult to get elected in Ireland in comparison to say, if you're trying to get elected in the, to the UK parliament, obviously the system over there, if you get a safe Labour seat or a safe Tory seat, you don't really have to knock on doors. To a large extent in other European countries where they apply a list system, I know politicians there are surprised when they hear about Irish politicians canvassing. So it is very difficult in Ireland to get elected. And any of your younger, listeners and to members of OGRA, I'd say if you are interested in a political career, you need to just recognize that it's not going to start out as an immediate success for you. Now, maybe you maybe it will, maybe I was just a particularly slow operator, but it does require perseverance and it does require you to stick with it, even if you don't get elected uh, the first time. I think voters do have a good understanding of the effort made by uh, Irish politicians. The advantage of the Irish political system is that most voters find their politicians very accessible, whether they're councillors or deputies or even ministers. It's not that difficult to get in touch with an Irish uh, TD. So I think 
the public like the access they have to their politicians. I think politicians are like other walks of life. There are some who work very hard. There's some who just do the middling amount of work and there's some who probably don't do enough, but that's just reflective of society in general. Yeah. And I suppose going on from that then, like obviously um, politics, it's, it, it is hard graft, elections are hard graft and of course, you know, something has to give. So I suppose how have you found um, entering into politics and that kind of um, pressure on your personal life as well? Because, um, you know, you're, you were a barrister, you were a counsellor, now you're a TD, you know, it's, it is a lot um, to be going on. So how have you juggled, juggled all that and the change in the workload, maybe? Well, the first thing to emphasise is it's voluntary. Nobody's forced me to get into politics in the same way as no one else was forced to get into it. And I'm in a, probably a better position than most since the constituency I represent is the constituency where Dáil Éireann is based. So I can understand from my colleagues who are TDs for, you know, uh, the, the constituencies on the Western seaboard, it is a very demanding life for them and has a huge impact on their personal family lives as well. They have to be up in Dublin for Tuesday, Tuesday evening, Wednesday, Wednesday evening, and sometimes Thursday. So it takes them away from their families. Listen, in terms of um, what I've done, like I still work as a barrister. Uh, obviously, I've reduced my practice uh, significantly, but that's a sacrifice I was prepared and happy to make. In terms of my personal life, um, it hasn't had the impact on my personal life it has had on other colleagues who, as I say, are from uh, more westerly constituencies. I don't know, I'll be frank with you, if it was the case that I had to be away from my family, say, two or three evenings a week, and I had to engage in an enormous amount of travel. You know, I don't know if it would be as appealing to me as it is now, where like I can cycle into the doll from where I live, it takes me 20 minutes. <laughs> That's very, very handy. Um, yeah. And I suppose going on from that, then, like, do, do you, how, how do you see the kind of playing field at the minute? You know, I suppose every week on primetime or the Tonight Show or anything like that, it's a focus on kind of almost a power struggle between the four parties um, at the minute. And, and uh, there was a conversation the other night around social media and how parties use social media and seen the fall barely got a mention in that. So I suppose what, what, what would be your take on kind of our position at the minute? And then kind of what we need to, what we need to be doing. Well, listen, I've always emphasised that what Fianna Fáil is and why I'm a member of Fianna Fáil is because it's a centre-ground, centre-left national party that wants to reunify our country, that wants to build housing, public housing in particular, that wants to protect the vulnerable, save the environment, protect Irish culture. They're what we stand for and also to promote business. That's what we're about as a uh, party. It obviously um, it should be recognised that Irish politics is becoming more competitive in the same way as politics around the world is becoming more competitive. And with the electoral system we have, smaller parties can achieve successes. We're now talk, we used to talk about the two and a half party system. Today we talk about the three party system. I think the important thing that Fianna Fáil members need to recognise, however, is that there's nothing inevitable about politics. And people in Ireland are broad minded when it comes to choosing uh, and voting for political parties at election. And they'll vote for a party that they believe puts forward policies which are credible and which they want to support. I think we need to recognise as well, though, like it suits the agenda of, for instance, a party far to the left of Fianna Fáil and a party far to the right of Fianna Fáil to present 
themselves in a polarized political environment in the hope that by one attacking the other, that they build up their own individual support. But that may have a short-term benefit for those parties, but it's damaging to Irish politics because we've benefited from the fact that we haven't had polarized politics in this country in the same way as for generations there has been polarized politics in Northern Ireland and the way it's happening now in the UK and the United States. So there's a benefit in us being out there selling ourselves as a center ground, center left national party that does not favor the polarization of politics the way the other two parties may be seeking to do it at present. Yeah, I think that's a that's a very important point and it comes back to the whole thing about, I suppose, respect for me because I think a lot of the respect in politics has um, dwindled in the in the last uh, few months or even years, you know, um, with the introduction of social media and all that. And like you said earlier, um, you know, people in the US and the UK don't have, particularly don't have access to politicians the way we do in Ireland. And I think it's something that's very important to, to remember that we're, you know, we're all playing for the same team, really, that we want what's best for the country. Mm. Um, and, and the polarisation of politics is a very difficult thing, I suppose, for me to watch even, you know. Can I also say, to you, it's slightly fake as well. Like, <clears throat> I know people online probably passionately believe in it and are being drummed up by social media and by their political objectives. Like virtually every member of uh, Dáil Éireann is a friendly, convivial person, you know, and parties do work with each other. But sometimes for the benefit of media, for the benefit of social media, it suits the agenda of certain politicians to present it as though they are fighting against these uh, antagonists who are preventing them, you know, achieving justice for their constituents. Like, that's fake. We know that. Uh, politicians work well together. But listen, the success of politics in this country comes from the centre ground. We saw that with the Good Friday Agreement. We see that in terms of negotiations between employers and trade unions. It's easy to be uh, extreme. You probably get more notice if you're extreme. But let's recognise where the success is. That's it, yeah, exactly. Um, and I suppose then, Jim, of your kind, of, your achievements, I suppose, moving into that kind of area, what are you proudest of to have been a part of or worked on since um, since your election to the job? Oh, my achievements, so it's a very short list, I'm afraid now, uh, Dara Jane. <laughs> but uh, I, suppose what I, I suppose what I'm proudest of is the fact that as an opposition TD, I managed to get a very significant piece of legislation enacted and put onto our statute book in the Parole Act. For years, the parole process in this country was dealt with on an ad hoc basis. It wasn't uh, governed by any underlying statute. Uh, that gave too much, I suppose, power to the Minister for Justice, who was the ultimate arbiter of whether or not individuals were granted parole, although he was, did so on the basis of non-statutory advice from uh, a parole board. Um, so I think there's a benefit in that, that people who are victims of crime, people who are serving lengthy sentences for crime, can now see that there's a law in place that sets out how this process operates, uh, the extent to which victims of crime or the families can have a say in the parole process, and the extent to which the applicants for parole can have a say in their process as well. So that's, that's yeah, it's not a, an enormous achievement, but it's a significant achievement for a opposition TD to get a significant piece of legislation enacted. That's it. And I suppose like of all 
we've spoken to quite a few of our TDs and senators and often as well it's the it's the smaller jobs that actually make a big difference to to the communities you represent are often uh, some of the highlight achievements as well so you know it's it's nice that like there's that kind of um standard in politics in Ireland I think that you know you can actually change law or you can add to a law or you can you know uh, bring legislation forward but also it's the small projects that that you still get to work on once you're in the national parliament. That's correct yeah that's correct. So then Jim I suppose obviously we're in the middle of a global pandemic so uh, quite a few people have had a bit of extra time on their hands and I know that for any TD or senator that might not have been the case but any downtime that you have how do you how do you spend that? I uh, I read a lot I uh, run slowly and of course <laughs> uh, one of the downsides of the pandemic is like one of the other things I like to do to relax is to meet friends and go for a drink with friends or go for a bite to eat I haven't been able to do that much so it has had a significant impact on everyone's life in terms of just the socialization. However, for people my age, like really the, the consequence of the pandemic is that it paused aspects of my life. That's different than is the case for young people because of course your youth goes very quickly and they lost a lot. Um, people who didn't get to sit the leaving certificate last year, they lost out in that people whose sporting matches were stopped at an underage level, they lost out in that. So um, yeah, I think the pandemic affected different people differently. And I think the two groups that were affected the most by it were probably the very elderly who were confined in their home and people were afraid to go and visit them. And the very young who weren't affected by it, or the young rather who weren't affected by it, but whose education, social lives, development, and uh, employment were affected by it. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a very difficult year, but at least we have some light at the end of the channel now with the vaccine coming yeah, next that's year. Good news. So. That's good news. And we need to absolutely. get that rolled out. That's a big task for the government to ensure that we get the vaccine rolled out. People take it and we try to return to normality as soon as possible next year. Absolutely. And hopefully when we when we do, we'll be able, over, we'll be able to go up and catch up with you in Dublin and yeah, Leicester House, Jim. definitely. That's great. Thanks so much for sitting down with us, Jim. Thanks, Dara Jane. No problem at all. So that was Bye. over in conversation with, with Jim O'Callaghan, TD.